get around that campfire. So whether that's an online community, which is okay, but if there's a local meetup in your area or a real estate group, you should be at that. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Osh. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have David Olds with us. How you doing, David? Welcome. I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to have you here. David's company is Nationwide Property Liquidators. He's a full-time real estate investor with 20 years experience, both active and passive. Current portfolio, he has wholesaled over a thousand properties, rehabbed to flip 27, rehabbed to rent 30 or so, and he has 62 rentals currently. He's based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you can say hi to him at nationwidepropertyliquidators.com. David, tell us about yourself. What got you into real estate? Man, I, I tell you, I get that question a lot, and I'm embarrassed to tell you that it's the most cliche thing ever. I was in an airport. And I was waiting to pick somebody up and I'm moseying through the bookstore like most of us do because we're just killing time. And, and of course, I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And man, talk about one book that can just change the trajectory of your life. It, that's what that book did for me. So I was sort of leaning there on the rack, just killing some time, read about 10 or 15 pages. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. I got to go pick up. My kids were flying in on a company minor from seeing a relative in Ohio. So I took that book home and just devoured it. And one thing about me is I'll tell people I may not be the smartest guy around, but I'm really coachable, trainable, and I follow directions really good. And at the end of the book, he says, you know, real estate's the thing you want to do. Go get involved with like a real estate investment group, a RIA or a meetup or something like that. So, so that's what I did. And, and that's you know sort of how I got my first toe dipped in the water for real estate investing. I'm one of those too. Whenever I track my progress as a real estate investor, my day one is the day that I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Isn't it amazing? That was about out of 10 people, same thing. Yeah, that was about 20 years ago, David. When did you buy or wholesale your first property? Our first property, my wife and I bought, we bought it in 2002, so 19 years ago. It's a funny story. I tell people, like, I came out of the closing, and this was a house we bought for ourselves. And I said to my realtor, I'm like, because I didn't know anything, right? I'm like, why did I buy this from Wells Fargo? I'm like, I don't understand. She's like, oh, it's a foreclosure. I'm like, I kind of don't really understand what that means. So can you tell me? And, and of course she explained it to me. So that property, we had just gotten married. We moved in and because I, I worked in home improvement and, and like lumber sales, that type of stuff. We fixed it up a little bit and resold it two years later. And uh, as we're selling it, the same realtor, we're going to closing. And she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, you know, you're not going to have to pay taxes on the money, right? And I said, what? What do you mean? 
It's like, oh, yeah, it's a homestead. You've lived there two years. The government doesn't tax you on it because it's your primary residence. I said, what? $47,000 I get to put in my pocket and I don't have to pay any taxes? So even though it was our primary residence, it really was an investment vehicle. So we did that. We sold that property. We went and bought another one that we made almost 100000 on. So that was how we slid into investing where I still had a full-time job was buying these properties, living in them, fixing them up with the sole intention of reselling it again in two years. And over the first probably five or six years, we did that as often as we possibly could. And kind of in the middle there is where I found Rich Dad, Poor Dad and got involved with the real estate group in Orlando. And that led us into traditional rehabbing, buying creative financing subject to all those different strategies. So if you think back in time, there aren't many investors that were around back then still compared to the total number of investors. But in 2008, the market started getting really bad and Central Florida was the worst of the worst places to be. So we knew we needed to do real estate someplace else because the market was so bad there. It was just loaded up with foreclosures and it was really tough to make money. What did your investing look like in 2008? You were in Central Florida. You've done some wholesaling and some flipping. Is that all single families to this point, 2008? Yeah, just flipping at this point, no wholesaling. So here's where we are. 2008, I went to this boot camp, a seminar up in Boston with a guy, and he was teaching apartment investing, right? That's what I wanted to do was I wanted to learn how to invest in apartments because we're all just playing Monopoly, right? Everybody who's got a house wants a duplex. Everybody who has duplex wants quads. Quads wants apartment complexes, right? Everybody's always trying to level up. So that was the goal. I'm like, okay, I've, I've done a couple of deals. I want to do apartments. So we were looking for new markets, emerging markets, right? So we're going to go through a market shift here at some point in the future and understanding how to look at markets and what's going up and what's coming down is really important. So anyways, Chattanooga, which is where I live now, Chattanooga, Tennessee, it was an emerging market, right? There were a lot of things going on here that was causing uh, explosive growth. So we came here with the intention of we're going to buy some small multifamilies, 8, 10 unit, maybe 20 units, right? We had these visions of grandeur. But again, 2009, right? Think back to those times. It's not like it is now. You know who was lending money? Nobody. <laughs> because banks were spending all of their time taking properties back. They weren't in the money lending position. So we fell backwards because we were doing a lot of marketing to get stuck deals, right? We fell back into wholesaling and that's sort of how we got started. But as we're wholesaling and we're doing a lot of marketing, deals were coming in and we were able to take those people and turn them into owner financing. And owner financing was relatively new to the masses in the single family real estate business like our world, but in commercial, everything that we're doing now as real estate, individual real estate investors has been done in the commercial world forever, right? Novations and assignments and all the crazy lease options and lease wraps and all that type of stuff. A couple of questions about your wholesaling. Yeah. Uh, you were doing a bunch of marketing to find deals in OA. What kind of marketing were you doing? Back then, there was only a couple things you could do. It's not like it is now. So there was direct mail. And really, there was list source. That was about the only place where you would go on and pull lists. There was no prop stream. There was none of that stuff. No batch leads. Like Facebook really wasn't even around back then. So we would do three things really for leads. One, driving for dollars, right? We would drive neighborhoods looking for distressed properties, right? Properties that look like they're empty, tall grass, that type of stuff. And we're looking for duplexes, triplexes storefronts, anything that we can find, right? Because had no money, broke. I moved to Chattanooga, I had $5,000 in my account. It was me, my wife, and my brother. So a lot of people look at us now like, oh, you run all these million dollar companies. 
I'm like, yeah, that's great. But we started with zero, literally nothing. So driving for dollars is one thing. We're coming home every night. I've got this list. My wife is handwriting yellow letters and postcards to people. So we're doing that, putting out a lot of bandit signs, those street signs. We buy houses, we buy duplexes, we buy apartments. We'll buy anything. (laughs) Just call us, please just call this number, we'll buy. And then we're downloading some lists and trying to do some targeted marketing. Because again, our goal was to buy multifamily stuff. Were you working a job at this time too? Or was it your primary source of income? Yeah, just a little bit. I worked for 84 Lumber when I was in Florida. And I told them I was planning on relocating to Chattanooga. So I was on a little bit of a guarantee and it was supposed to be for a year, but it lasted about three months before they're like, Hey, you're a really good guy, but you're not selling anything. In fact, nobody's selling anything right now because there was no new construction going on back then. So they laid me off. So I had to make this work. I have a wife, two boys and three fat dogs at the time, and I had to generate money. So that's why wholesaling became just crucial for us because it's very quick. Your life cycle in a wholesale deal can be as short as 14 to 21 days from the time you put something under contract to the time you get paid. So we were using that in conjunction with going out and finding these other deals and working owner finance where the seller will be the bank for us. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. Tell me more about that. You're doing this wholesaling going into 2009, 2010, at a time when banks aren't lending. Tell us more about how you were structuring those deals so that you didn't have to get financing and you weren't selling to end buyers who couldn't get financing either. Yeah, so let me tell you where I'm at now. We've got a portfolio, it's about $5 million, a mix of single families and small commercial units. So again, let's go back in time. So when there's a market shift, let me tell you that. We are never gonna know when we're at the top of the market or even when the market's starting to decline until it's already happened. Anybody that's out there projecting right now, oh, in March, the market's going to crash. Full of crap. They have no idea, I promise you, because I've been through two market corrections already. So we knew something was happening, right? There were foreclosures. And this was when all the gurus were out, hey, you can market to foreclosures and and do whatever. This is going to be your strategy. Well, that was a struggle because, 
imagine you've got somebody, they're in foreclosure, they owe 100000 the market's starting to slide, it hasn't fallen off the cliff yet, but it's starting to slide. Well, typically, it's very hard to find a way to make money on those deals. They're just it, quick money, at least, right? So you can buy them and take over their mortgage, and that's some long-term money. So understand, that was a little bit of a struggle. It's difficult to wholesale a house that's worth 100 when they owe 97. Where do you make money there? So I tell you that to understand this. So I come to Tennessee and I have to start doing some marketing and I can't, I don't have the money to do unlimited marketing. So I have to be very targeted. So I sort of backed into this by accident. And I said, well, I don't want to do foreclosures because I'm tired of dealing with that and all the problems that come with foreclosure. So I'm just going to market to people that own their houses free and clear. They can do whatever they want because they own the house and they're not bound by any banks or anything like that. And I actually have done some research and somewhere between 35 and 40% of all the properties in the United States are owned free and clear. You know that? That's a phenomenal number. Like I had no idea when I looked that up. So my intention was for wholesaling, right? There wasn't this master plan. I'm telling you how I sort of caveman my way backwards into this, right? So I said, well, I'm tired of dealing with foreclosures. So I'm only going to market free and clear properties and the ones I drive by that look like they're distressed. So I did that. So we're getting in these deals and uh, I'd also done some training this amazing guy, his name is Chris Kirshner. Um, he had a, a thing called autopilot system and he's, he's not around. He doesn't teach anymore, but he had this amazing course and it talked about how to make different offers to people. So I'm hustling, right? Cause I got to do something cause I don't have a great job or a job that lasted. Got my wife, got my kids. I've got all these things. I'm in a new city. We knew nobody. It was like to burn the boats kind of thing. We come here. But I've got this other thing where I know how to make multiple offers. And I bought the Carlton Sheets course. I mean, I'm buying all the courses, right? Don't laugh at old Carlton, boy. People goof on him, but he knew what was up. People who invested back before the recession, there are a couple of names that always come up from who they learned from. Carlton Sheets is one of them, for sure. He was the man, dude. I've still got his course on my bookshelf in there. I've boxed up a lot of courses that I bought in there in storage, but that's one that I leave out there. So Chris Kirshner teaches in his thing, you can make multiple offers. And really it was geared towards making subject to offers. But I thought to myself, sell? (laughs) As you're talking to all these people who want to sell, right? Because they're motivated. That's going to be the first thing. But I'm making them an offer. And let's say you call me and say, I want 70,000 for my property. I'm like, okay, great. And I know you own it free and clear because you're on my list. And that's where the lead came from. But for me, like a wholesale deal, you want 70, I've got to be at 45, right? And you're like, well, geez, man, I just can't take 45. I'm like, hey, I get it. Hmm. Let me see. Let me ask you a question. Do you need all the money at once? What are you going to do with it? And it's, it's got to be that kind of pacing, that pace, right? Like it's the first time you've ever thought of it. Slocum, man, I want to help you out. And I know you got this thing and you got these tenants you hate and you're moving to Florida. Do you need all the money at once? That's a great question. At once, right? Like, what are you going to do with the money, right? If if I give you that seventy grand, you know the government. I'm like, I'm an unaccountant, right? But you know the government's going to take a third of that. Do you need it all at once, or what are you going to do with that money? Are you going to put it in the bank? The bank's paying you about one percent right now. Man, if I could find a way to get you that seventy grand, would you be interested in that? If we didn't do all the payments up front, so you sort of work backwards into it, right? So what I was able to do was I'm making all these wholesale offers. And people are saying, no, 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 right? Because only one out of 10 people are going to take it. Then I back into this, hey, do you need all the money at once? Sometimes people say yes, right? It's okay, cool. Hey, I can't help you. I'm not your guy. If anything changes, call me. But a lot of times people say, well, no, I don't like need the money. I'm just moving or I can't deal with these tenants or whatever it is, right? I'm like, oh, I might be able to find a way to make this work for you. Let me run back to my office and work some numbers. Let me see if I can find a way to make this work. 
and that, that's it, right? And then from there, now we make them a terms offer. So I make them a cash offer, 100% owner finance offer, and maybe another offer where I give them two to $5,000 down, and they'll pick one, right? Whatever one they pick, I'm like, man, you know what? That's the one everybody picks, <laughs> right? You know what? I talk to people, <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause I just want to affirm whatever I want to anchor them and affirm whatever their decision was. So they feel good about it because people want to be like other successful people. So if you pick the cash offer after all that, like, you know what, I got to be honest with you. That's what most people pick. They just want the cash and be done with it. Or if you pick a zero down owner finance offer, man, that's really smart. That's what most people pick. Cause they just want to find a way to make the most money off of this deal, whatever it is, right. It doesn't matter. And if you pick the one where I give you 2000 bucks down, like, you know what, that's really smart. <laughs> that's what most people pick. Because they want to know that I've got a little bit of skin in the game, right? So it doesn't matter. But the key is that all those offers work for me. It doesn't matter to me which one you pick because I wrote the offers. They all work for me, any one of them, right? I'm going to wholesale your house. I'm going to get a house for free. Or I'm going to put two grand down and get a house for free and pay less money, right? Because it's a sliding scale. If I'm going to give you money, maybe I'm going to give you 62 instead of 70. But if I can get the house with zero down at 5% interest for 10 years, I'll give you your 70. What do I care? couple of things for you, David. Tell us how your real estate business transitioned coming out of the recession and mm-hmm. tell us how your success with single families transitioned into your commercial investing. So there's definitely a difference in what I do now as opposed to the recession. So in our wholesaling business, back in 2009, 10, 11, 12, probably almost into 13, our business was very geared towards landlords because again, you have to think of what was going on in the retail market. Nobody, I'm going to say nobody, that's, I don't want to overgeneralize. Primarily the real estate market still hadn't started to get traction again. It took longer than any of us thought that it would. We thought, oh, 2008, new president, like whatever, things are going to happen. There'll be an adjustment, but it took a long time to come out of that longer than anybody thought. So primarily within the recession, we were doing $25,000 deals. We were really strong in the lower end areas. I don't want to say could because I hate that word, but lower income rental areas. And one of the things that I learned is don't ever put your own biases or what you think on the marketplace, right? The data will tell you where people are buying and where they're not. So I know there are some investors who are like, I don't want to invest there. I only want to invest in nice areas. Well, that's cool, but your returns are going to be lower. They're going to certainly be lower in the nicer areas because your entry cost is going to be a lot higher. So your return is going to be lower. Man, if you go into those low-end areas, I tell people, drive through there on a a Friday night at about seven o'clock. See all those people sitting on the porch? You think any of them are owners or own those properties? No, they're all tenants, right? So who owns those properties? Landlords. I know people that own half of the downtown area, all those houses that most people turn their nose up at. And those guys are making eight, $900 a month off every single one of them. I mean, they're just ridiculously rich. So in the recession, we're primarily into landlords. As we come out, then we start getting into wholesaling more nicer properties in nicer areas because now the rehabbers are coming back into the market. So the easiest time for us to buy properties when we bought, we were over hundred properties at one point where we bought the bulk of those was in the recession. I'll be honest with you. The worst the news was about them saying, oh, the real estate market's terrible easier it was to buy because people are like, just take this, just take my house, just take my, my, you know, my apartment building, whatever it was. So I guess to answer your question, it was far easier to buy during the recession than it is right now, because now everybody thinks they're sitting on a pile of gold 
and prices are running up through the roof. So how did we do it? We made a lot of offers. We got out there, we got up to the plate a lot of times, and we were swinging all the time. So the small apartment buildings that we've got, the eight, the 10, the 15 units, the quads, the triplexes, a lot of those came because we were talking to a guy who owned a single family house, and he also owned these other properties. So we were getting deals that way. And then we we're also direct mailing anybody with 20 units or less. I feel like I went a long ways. Did I answer all the questions? <laughs> yeah, that's good. How did your strategy shift as you started negotiating with apartment owners as opposed to single family owner occupants and landlords? I tell you, it's not a lot different. And the people I'm dealing with are smaller. They're not the institutional guys. They're not guys that own a thousand units. So I'm not the best person to speak on that. So the people that I talk to, they own a couple of houses. They own an eight unit, a 10 unit. And before you can negotiate, I always really stress this to my team and to our students is you got to build a great rapport with people and you got to figure out what their motivation is. You got to figure out why they want to sell. I had one guy that sold us 27 doors. It was multiple properties. It was $1.2 million. And we bought that property zero down, 4% interest on a 17 year term. So yeah, million dollar deal. We did like no money. Funny. I remember going to the closing and I was at one of my properties. It was back in the day when I actually was like out painting and doing stuff. And I looked down at my jeans and they were kind of painted and had a hole in it. I'm like, I should be dressed better to go get a million dollars in properties. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I remember distinctly having that thought sitting in my old beat up pickup truck, but listen, this guy's story, right? His name was Tommy Baker. He owned a bunch of properties here in Chattanooga. And he called me up one day. He's like, hey, I want to sell all these properties. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, from a wholesaler's point of view, package deals are very hard to sell because a wholesaler, we're trying to move properties. Everybody understands what we do. It's far easier to sell one property at a time than to try to sell 27 doors at once because there's a limited number of buyers who have that kind of cash available. Wholesalers, we sell to cash buyers. So I talked to him like, man, I said, Tommy, send me over what you've got. And he sent me an email. And I looked through him and I called him back and I said, listen, dude, I want to help you here. And I could tell he's an older guy. I said, but to be honest with you, you're looking for like full retail on all these properties. I said, your best bet would be to put these things on MLS and go ahead and just sell them. And there's something powerful too in telling somebody that, hey, I can't help you. I'm not your guy, but trying to at least point them in the right direction. So this is what he said. He said, listen, I don't want to do that. What do you want to do? How do you think I can help you? He's like, well, I need to sell all these properties. He's like, I can't take care of them. I'm like, okay. Are you open to doing any kind of owner financing? And I threw that out there and he's like, that's exactly what I want to do. I said, holy (laughs) shit. That's awesome. I'm like, no, I'm like, dude, I'm because like, we always get scared. What if somebody says yes, right? So I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, send me over what the rents are. Let me look at it. Let me see what I can do. And then watch come to the office tomorrow. So he comes to the office and we sit down and we're having a conversation. We don't jump right into that, right? Like, I want to talk to him. Like, hey, man, what's going on? How'd you get these things? Like, I'm always fascinated to talking to old time investors who've been doing this for a long time. Like, how'd you get these deals? Like, what did you do? So his story was this. Long time investor. Kids were grown, out married. He was probably 70. And he had self-managed all these properties. But here was the thing, man. He was diagnosed with his second time with brain cancer. Mm. Heartbreaking such a nice guy. And he said, listen, here's the truth. I'm not going to make it. I've got three or four months left. Here's the thing. My wife, I need to make sure that she's got income forever. She's never dealt with properties. She's not going to be able to deal with them. I don't want her to have to liquidate these things after I'm gone. I want somebody that I can trust that will pay me on these things or pay her that'll 
get her through the rest of her life. So she'll have income. Yeah. I know that my wife will be cared for. Man, you want to feel like a ton of bricks hitting you? I'm going to tell you, sitting in that room across that table, that's what that felt like. So I said, okay, yes, I want to buy your properties. I'm your guy. Let's figure out the terms and, and how we can do this, right? Let me work on this over the next day or two. There's 27 of them. We need to go out and spend a day or two. And I need to get into all the units and see where we're at. Because typically, when you've got a person that's going to do that, for the most part, they're probably distressed, like in some way, right? He's an old guy. He wasn't great at keeping up with all of them. Some were good. Some were bad. We met again. and I, I made him a deal. I'm like, hey, here's the deal, dude. I'll give you everything that you're looking for. Every single thing that you want. Here's what I need. The only way I could do it at this amount is zero down. I'm not going to put any money down. We're going to do 4% interest over 17 years. And the way I came up with 17 is I'm just playing with an amortization schedule. I know what the rents sure. are and what the insurance is going to be. I know what the mortgage is going to be, right? So I'm, I'm playing with those numbers so that I get myself to a cash flow number that works. And here's what we can do. Either you can give me all the deposits and we can prorate the rents, the, the security deposits and the taxes, and you can give that to me or... I can just not make payments for a couple months to kind of offset that, right? So we can work this out. What do you want to do? And we ended up kind of coming to something in the middle where I think he gave me the deposits and the proration of rent, and I took care of the taxes. So I went to this closing, 1.1 something, I don't know, just right around 1.2 million, put no money down. I walked away with $10,000 and 27 properties. That's awesome. Kind of a good deal. But again, I tell that story to people and they're like, that's what I want to do. I want to do those deals. Like, yeah, that's like saying, I want to go down to Braves Park where they won the World Series and hit a grand slam every time I get up to the plate. It doesn't happen. You've got to get up to the plate and take swings because you're going to get some base hits and then you're going to get the grand slam. So I've actually done two big deals like that, but really the bulk of all of my properties, but it's the same process. It's the same process, whether you're buying a, a single family, a duplex, a quad, 20 units, 50 units, 100 units, right? It's the same process, right? Why do you want to sell? How can I help you? What is it that you really need? We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year? Whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals, I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract. And she partnered with two other deal maker mentoring students, and together they raised seven hundred thousand dollars. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year, and you've been thinking about getting in the multifamily, well, text the word Joe to six six eight six six. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J O E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. 
deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. It sounds like you've done a really good job of making sure you get up to the plate enough times that you're sitting across the table from those sellers who need to sell you 27 units all at once on 100% seller financing. Yeah, it's pretty neat. David, what is your best ever advice for our listeners? Different advice for different people. If you're just starting out, because I get to ask this a lot, best advice is pick one strategy. I tell people real estate is like being a doctor. It'd be the eye doctor, the nose doctor, the, the mouth doctor, the elbow doctor, the butt doctor, the toe doctor, whatever, right? Lots of ways to do doctoring. Same thing with real estate. Lots of ways to do real estate. You can wholesale, you can rehab, you can buy apartment complexes, you can buy storage units, you can do land development, you can do lease options. I mean, like lots of things you can do. All of them make money, every single one. So pick one that fits your personality. So if you're like me and you're yappy and you want to talk to people, (laughs) probably like wholesaling, right? Wholesaling is probably a good, good place for you to be. Some things that I could never do, I don't like talking to banks and very slow paced, I couldn't be like the short sale guy or the loan modification guy, right? I, like that's not for me. That doesn't fit my personality. So find something that you really like and that resonates with you and that you enjoy because this will be a struggle. Being an entrepreneur, it's not easy. Instagram, I think it's always the flash and the bling and the Lambos and all that stuff. But when you're starting out, it's, it's a little bit of a grind. So find something that you really like, but stick with it. Don't have that shiny ball syndrome of, Oh, now I'm going to do storage units. Oh, now I'm going to do lease options. Now I'm going to do tax deeds. Now I'm going to do whatever. So find something that you enjoy, really stick with it. And as you progress, again, another piece of advice is like, this is hard, right? We're all in the beginning. We're all solopreneurs. We're all starting out and it can feel really lonely. You're sitting at Starbucks trying to grind this out. You've listened to a podcast. You've had some idiot on here with a Patriots hat telling you how great he got this million dollar deal. And it sounds so simple. Um, or whatever. All of us want to make it sound like this is the most glamorous thing, but it can be a grind and it can be lonely. So whether you're at Starbucks, you're sitting in your living room or your garage or your bonus room or whatever, you can feel like a man or a woman on an island, like you're out there all by yourself. And what I tell people is get a tribe. 
get some friends, get some people. I'm not saying do the business with them, but be around people that are doing this every day, right? Get around that campfire. So whether that's an online community, which is okay, but if there's a local meetup in your area or a real estate group, you should be at that. You should be at that two or three times a week, especially when you're just getting started. Because one of the most powerful things that help all of us as human beings is that you have to believe that this can work. And you have to believe it and feel that all the time. So when you're around those people like, oh, Bob just did a deal for $6,000 and he did it in one day. That's great. Joe just bought these storage units. Holy smokes. I can do that, right? Because when you see other people doing it, it gives you the belief that I can do that too. So get around those people. Have people that cheer you on. You should cheer on other people. Be excited for their success. And I've got those people all over the country that I'm friends with that operate on a super high level that I can call and go, you would not believe what happened to me today in <laughs> my company, right? Here's the thing. I promise all of you that are listening, if you haven't done your first deal and you're struggling with something, my company is going to do $4.8 million in assignment fees next year. There are days we struggle too. We all have problems, right? Absolutely. Yeah, man. Don't ever be confused at like, just because I got a picture on top of the Eiffel Tower in Paris that my life is perfect, right? <laughs> like I run a company and we deal with people. And I mess stuff up too. Like we all have bad days. So find those people that you could jump on the phone with and go, holy smokes. Guess what I did today? I screwed this up royally. And my friends can call me and go, what do you do when when this happens? So those people that you, if you want to call a mastermind, but that you have a relationship with and you help them out in a bad time and they help you out in a bad time and you all cheer each other on and you know, I'm excited for their success and they're excited for mine. David, I totally get that. I have my list of people that I call when I have a certain struggle or even when I have a certain victory that people outside of real estate just aren't going to understand. I know who I'm going to call to talk to about it because they're going to know what the struggle was I went through and how big of a deal it is, this thing that only real estate guys understand. David, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Instagram is a really great place. It's very easy. David Olds, R-E-I. I answer all of my questions or whatever messages. So if you have a question or something I can help you with or a deal that you're struggling with, certainly reach out. Our website is the exact same, davidoldsrei.com. We offer lots of resources on there and some coaching and free videos and all that type of stuff. So definitely go over there and check it out. Some, I think they've got some free contracts loaded and free marketing stuff that we just give away for free there because those are the things that people ask for the most. So yeah, David Olds REI on Instagram or davidoldsrei.com is our website. David, you've taken us on a journey here. You got into real estate accidentally through some live-in flips. You found Rich Dad Poor Dad like a lot of us. Heading into the recession, you moved to an emerging market so that you were in a good position to continue real estate investing. You focused on free and clear owners and landlords. And coming out of the recession, you transitioned into bigger deals. But the focus on making sure you were getting in front of as many sellers as possible and figuring out how you could offer them what they needed to sell to you. And it's brought you to around a $5 million portfolio today. Your advice is to all of our best ever listeners is to play to your strengths, do what works for your personality, and make sure you stick with it. David, what's the best way? It sounds great. (laughs) Well, I get to spend 30 minutes listening to you, soaking in all of your wisdom and trying to summarize. Thank you again, David, and best ever listeners. We will see you tomorrow.